0: Well, another week has passed, and the good news is that if you're listening to this, you've survived COVID-19 for another seven days. And what a week it's been, with AFTA's new CEO hitting the ground running, lots of big airline and cruise news, and the industry battening down the hatches for what looks like an extended shutdown.
1: I'm Bruce Piper.
0: And I'm Anna Piper, and this is Travel Daily News on the Fly. So in last week's podcast, we were talking about After's potential new CEO, and now he's actually started the role. So what do we know about Darren Rudd?
1: Look, to their credit, the After board has worked extremely quickly to replace Jason Westbury, As I'm sure everyone's aware, sometimes these senior appointments take a really long time. So it's great that particularly, you know, in this current situation, the Federation has a leader who can really clearly articulate the concerns of the industry. So, yes, as we mentioned last week, his name is Darren Rudd. He's been involved in government relations for a long time, and I think he's had a really busy first week.
0: And what has his first week involved?
1: Well, on his first day, last Monday, he was already out having a meeting meet and greet with some travel agents in Sydney's western suburbs, and he brought along the local member to really help the message of the industry's COVID-19 plight really sink in. And I look since then, I believe he's also been in Canberra for some urgent talks with the ACCC, um, which I presume we'll hear about in the coming days. He's also aiming to meet agents right across the country to hear firsthand about their concerns. He's also part of AFTA's regular webinar series, and in fact, members who want to sort of interact with him can take part in his first appearance this afternoon in the Federation's weekly Friday update.
0: And I believe as well as the ongoing corona crisis, some other big issues have also reared their ugly head this week.
1: That's right. Uh, yesterday, Singapore Airlines really dropped the hammer on the industry, I feel, with the confirmation that it's going to charge a US $12 per ticket fee for bookings that are made in the GDS outside of the new ChrisConnect NDC platform. It came as a bit of a shock to the industry, I've got to say, particularly since early in the year Singapore Airlines did this major national roadshow to highlight the new system, which you know is pretty nifty, uh, and but also saying there's going to be plenty of consultation, and also that it would kind of use a carrot rather than a stick approach to NDC. A bit of a contrast to the big controversy around the introduction of the Qantas channel last year.
0: So why is Singapore Airlines doing this?
1: I think giving them the benefit of the doubt, this has clearly been in train for a long time, and they'd always flagged the launch of a new travel agent platform from July this year. July has rolled around, and unfortunately we're in the grip of this pandemic, which has made the timing seem to be particularly unfortunate for travel agents. They're rolling it out to make the platform for selling their airfares and products richer and better for travel agents, uh, much more complex products than are possible through GDS, which NDC does. It it enables all sorts of stuff like you'd see for sale on the airline direct websites, ancillaries, seat selection, meals, you know, potentially special offers for frequent flyers, all sorts of things. And so it's really great to be making this available to agents who want to take it up. But what's a bit of a kick in the guts is that effectively, those who want to keep selling through existing platforms are going to be penalised It is, interestingly, a flat fee of US dollars per ticket, unlike Qantas, I think, is per segment, and Lufthansa and other airlines are also doing it per sector, whereas SQ, it's regardless of whether it's one way, a return, or even a complex itinerary. And Singapore Airlines had really made pains to insist it's nothing to do with trying to push consumers away from agents and towards direct, but rather to encourage agents to adopt the benefits of NDC. So the idea is great, and I think it'll definitely provide benefits in the long term. But in the current market, you've got to imagine heaps of agents aren't even working and certainly have their offices closed. And now they've got to sort of rework some of their workflows, you know, work on their business, integrate this new platform, and in a situation where, of course, they've got no revenue whatsoever. Don't get me wrong, the industry loves Singapore Airlines, I love Singapore Airlines, and the local SQ teams has been very, very supportive of agent distribution. But just every week at the moment, there seems to be another hit to the travel agency sector, and this really hasn't helped, unfortunately.
0: And while we're on the subject of aviation, there's been some big news in the domestic market this week. What's the latest with Virgin Australia?
1: Yes, as we mentioned in last week's podcast, Virgin Australia is uh, taxiing on the runway towards a relaunch under its new ownership. And um, last Friday, the administrators from Deloitte signed a formal deal with Bain Capital, one of the shortlisted bidders. And it's still subject to approval by creditors at a meeting planned for next month. But if that is approved, it looks like what people are calling Virgin 2.0 could debut in September. And in the meantime, of course, the airline is continuing to operate uh, with government subsidies on certain routes, but the new owners have also committed to honouring velocity loyalty points and flight credits, so hopefully that might also be uh, generating confidence and certainly forward bookings. Deloitte's also confirmed that Virgin's existing shareholders have really done their dough. We don't yet know what the creditors of the airline, who are also owed several billion dollars, are going to receive.
0: And I believe they might end up with a little bit of additional competition. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yes, Regional Express this week also confirmed that it's moving forward with plans announced a couple of months ago to add some jet aircraft to its fleet to operate on the golden triangle of high traffic routes between Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. They're confident they can do it on what really seems to be the smell of an oily rag, saying they believe they'll be able to raise $30 million, probably by financing securing it against their fleet of Saab turboprops, and that'll help to get operations going. Of course, they do have the advantage of already having bases uh, in those airports, and so they reckon their cost base is going to be about 35% less than Virgin's was before it went into administration.
0: Today's episode of News on the Fly is brought to you by Travel Bulletin. This month, we take a look at the way a number of operators are adapting to the challenging conditions imposed on the travel industry due to the coronavirus. Many of these businesses have pivoted, adding new products, offerings, and appealing to new source markets. To find out more about the innovation of these companies and much more, read the July issue of Travel Bulletin now. Head to travelbulletin.com.au to check it out. So there have been a few other stock exchange announcements this week from some of the various travel agency groups. What have they been up to?
1: Flight Centre, Hello World and Webjet have all had big news this week, and I'm betting there will be more to come too. Flight Centre's one was a bit of good news in that the company's been able to access a financing facility underwritten by the UK government to help further boost its liquidity through the pandemic. This funding is only available to big businesses. It's sort of a complex financial instrument. And it's based on their contribution to the British economy. So it's good that that is being recognised for Flight Centre, which after all is an Australian, not a UK company. Webjet's announcement was also interesting As our listeners will, of course, recall, Webjet was one of the first ASX-listed companies to uh, sort of reveal the huge hit that the border shutdowns were having. They went to the market quite early after placing their shares in an extended trading halt, and they managed to pull a rabbit out of the hat, raising about $350 million in new equity, which was you know, a good outcome at the time, and they believed it would put them in a great position to ride out the pandemic and come out of the blocks racing once the borders reopened. So in this week's announcement, that they're going for another $160 million through a thing called a convertible note is quite intriguing. Look, CEO John is a smart operator, and they might have seen an opportunity that they want to take up. They definitely managed to do it at a low and attractive interest rate, but the announcement also revealed how much of that first $350 million they've got left, and clearly they've been burning through it pretty quickly, which of course is understandable. They've had a lot of layoffs and redundancies, but it's pretty concerning if that burn rate continues. Anyway, they reckon they're positioning for the recovery, so let's hope so.
0: And what about Hello World?
1: Hello World announced the sale of its US wholesale operation, which for many years traded under the name of Qantas Vacations. It's definitely the end of an era. Uh, They've sold to a Seattle-based company called Down Under Answers, which is a sort of outbound specialist for South Pacific Australia and New Zealand. And just like when Hello World sold Insider Journeys a few months ago, there's a deal in place to ensure that the inbound business from North America continues to be fulfilled by Hello World's local AOT operations and, um, you know, inbound in Fiji as well. They didn't say how much they got for the business. They said it wasn't material. But effectively, they think that in these current times, it's better for the operation to be in someone else's hands. The brands included Travel 2 and Islands in the Sun, not Qantas Vacations, because in March, Hello World had already relinquished the rights to the Qantas holidays and also Qantas Vacations brand, which have now gone back to Qantas.
0: So what's happened in the world of cruise this week?
1: Yeah, there's been a few big announcements in cruise. Um, some good news, uh, Dream Cruises returning to do some short cruises out of Taiwan. They're saying they're the first cruise line to relaunch, but they're not. Hurtigruten, as we know, is already cruising again in Norway. But there was also the bombshell confirmation by Aurora Expeditions that its CEO, Bob Halfpenny, had actually resigned a couple of months ago. So they're now looking for a new CEO. And also in that expedition cruise space. In cruise weekly, we had the fascinating story that One Ocean Expeditions owner, Andrew Prossen, is actually planning on resurrecting the brand. This is a uh, expedition operator that ceased trading just after Christmas for reasons totally unrelated to COVID-19. You've really got to admire his gumption. He told a Canadian, I think it's a bankruptcy court, that he was talking to other cruise lines about securing some of their idle ships for a reborn operation. And I think he's planning to fund it by suing the Russian owners of a couple of ships One Ocean used to use, which had their charters unexpectedly terminated, which sort of started this whole debacle happening for One Ocean.
0: Wow, so much intrigue. And I believe the new issue of Travel below bullet- is out
1: now. Yeah, look, I'm so proud of our team who've continued to push out all of our publications despite the current situation. It's online now at travelbulletin.com.au, uh, packed with lots of juicy news and analysis. Uh, we've done a rundown of some how some companies are pivoting to the new normal, kind of like Crooked Compass, APT, Crooked Compass launching Australian and New Zealand tours, quite a contrast to its normal itineraries in more exotic places like Azerbaijan.
0: Great, I can't wait to check it out. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Stay up to date with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and Cruise Weekly, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back next week with more news on the fly.